words of wisdom and help us to live out your word. Move the preacher out of the way. Convict, convince, if need be, convert. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, amen. Church, amen again. What a mighty God we serve. He's an awesome God. He's awesome when it rains. He's awesome when the sun is out. He's awesome. And we come to worship and praise him for who he is. Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. One of my favorite scriptures that helps us to process who he is was with his conversation with the woman at the well. He said, woman, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for living water. Hallelujah. This morning as we challenge fathers, as we allow God's multi-dimensional dynamic word to come into our lives by way of our hearing, I want you to turn to Luke 15, 20. And I know the minute I say Luke 15, everybody is kind of familiar with the text. Luke 15, 20. And this morning we want to use as a subject when brokenness becomes a blessing. When brokenness becomes a blessing. In Luke chapter 20, and by way of observation, in the latter part of this verse, I want you to pay attention to the verbs, the action words. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, here it is, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. My God. When brokenness becomes a blessing. Fathers have been portrayed as providers for their families, protectors of their homes, and promoters of their children. When you look at Proverbs, the first seven chapters, it is Amen. Proverbs is written by Solomon, who remembers his father, David. And the first seven chapters is, my son, my son, my son. We see a great deal of instruction from, from his father, David. 
And Proverbs talks about the law of the mother, and the law of the mother is love and compassion. Mothers are naturally loving and compassionate with their children. And fathers are naturally instructive. But when a father crosses the highway and becomes compassionate, he is being urged against his natural DNA. We typically look at men as being rough, tough, you know, mannish, masculinity, words that denote that they have a standoffish communication with their son. And it's in this context that this landscape of unusual compassion as caretakers, that this is typically uncommon for men. I know growing up in South Philly, you know, in the 60s, guys on the corner with their boys, nobody ever showed any kind of emotion. That's right, that's right. It was always tough and hard. And I later learned they had to be like that to be respected. All right. um, <clears throat> I pulled up in a car one day and all these boys this gang of boys was on the corner. There was a whole bunch of them. And the one guy that I knew, we were friends. I, I was driving in the car, and he looked at me and said, like, I can't speak now. I'm with the gang. And I said, all of them are crazy. But, but I kind of understand this thing that we've been taught about manhood. Got a lot to say about this father who represents God. The prodigal son represents one that was loosed and rebellious. The son that stayed home is one that was legalistic and thought, and when you do a study on the son, the son that stayed home is interesting. He was legalistic and said, nobody ever threw me a party. And I was faithful to you. He represents that Christian who cannot relate to running the streets, fornication, gambling, adultery, smoking, partying. He's that church folk that stayed in, in house. But he's bitter because now he thinks God owes him something. So when the father said to the son that stayed home, you always had what I had. You just approached it wrong. You think I owe you because you didn't go out. It's a, whole, it's a whole dynamic about legalism. And, and, and child of God, but here... Jesus is telling a parable, and a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. 
And in most of your parables, names are never used. Amen. In this parable, no names are used. There are three lost things in the chapter. There's a lost sheep that a good shepherd must find. And sheep get lost out of ha, foolishness. When you allow other church members to get in your head, air, and then you become strayed, it's foolishness. Yeah. The second thing that's lost is a coin, and the coin is lost because of carelessness of somebody else. Maybe I let you teach a class and you was careless with language you used. And this woman sweeps the house till she finds it. And then the third part of this parable is a lost son who does not leave because of foolishness or carelessness. He leaves because of, yeah, rebelliousness. He's in rebellion to his father. Hmm. Jesus is telling this parable to sinners who, need, he, who he needs to seek and find. He's also telling this parable in front of Pharisees who are legalistic and need to see truth. And, and it's here, child of God, that when, when we begin to look at this parable, there's some observations that in all three instances of this threefold, or shall I say, trilogy of a parable, when the thing that was lost is found, there is joy in heaven, joy among the angels, and joy in the home. Whenever something is lost and it is found, there's joy. Hallelujah for joy. And I don't know about you, but I was lost. But now I'm found. And I've got joy like a river. Because now I can look back and see how good the Lord was. Can I get a witness? Three things about this rebellious son. Look, first, he rebelled. Secondly, he came to his senses and repented. And third, he returned home the right way. Uh-oh. And it's in this text that when the son comes back, he rehearses what he's going to say. And here's the statement that he uses, Bible students. He said, I have sinned. The phrase, I have sinned, is used eight times in the Bible. Eight. Eight people have said, I have sinned. Four of the eight didn't mean it. Uh-oh. Meaning they were never sorry for their sin. Pharaoh said it in Exodus chapter 9. He said, I have sinned, but he got worse. Balaam in Numbers 22 said it, and he didn't mean it. 
Saul said it in 1 Samuel. He didn't mean it. And of all people, Judas, who betrayed Jesus, said it, and he definitely didn't mean it. Four out of eight said, I have sinned and never meant it. Now let's do some percentages. That means half the church, when they say to God, I'm sorry and I've sinned, they don't mean it. Because unless you and I repent, change our direction, turn around, God doesn't want to hear your words. Well, who would have thought and said it that minute? I'm glad you asked. Hmm. Well, Job said it. In Job chapter 7, he meant it. Achan, in Joshua 7, although his family and him was killed, he meant it. David said it, and he meant it. He said, I have sinned against heaven and your throne, created me a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me. In 2 Samuel 7, and then, yeah. The fourth one is right here in this text, the prodigal. He meant it. The next time you tell God you're sorry and you have sinned, on the heels of that statement, now tell God how you've turned around and how you have changed. My God. Hmm. I want to look at three dynamics of this father. We're not preaching about the brother that stayed home. We're really not preaching about the prodigal, although he's included. We're focusing on the father who represents God. That we serve a loving and compassionate God. First, this father is enlightened with a loving wisdom. Now, let me say this. In conflict, when everything is breaking wrong in your life, stop looking for warmth and, yeah. Stop trying to rub your wounds. Stop trying to wallow in self-pity. God for wisdom. James says, while going through trials, if anyone will ask wisdom, let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering and God will give it to you. God will give it to you. Sometimes we're suffering for guidance, growth, and glory. You better know the difference. Because if you're suffering and God says, this is for my glory, like Paul's thorn in the flesh, just treat it as such and praise his name. If you're suffering for guidance, maybe you're getting ready to make a move, and God is trying to shake your attention to be still and to know that he's God. If you're, if you're being troubled for your sin, 
than take it like a man because you knew yes, when you started it what you sow, somebody got to preach this stuff, is what you going to reap. Can I get a witness? Let me look at the clock and preach. This father had wisdom. He didn't get agitated. He didn't get aggravated. He didn't get annoyed. But with grace giving and guidance, look how he dealt with his son. Ah, look at verse 12. Here's the son. And the younger of them, a man, verse 11, had two sons, no names. Amen. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my liquid assets. Give me what belongs to me, even though you're still alive. It was a statement of disrespect. You, respect says you wait till the father dies, and then the, it will be divvied up what you're supposed to have. No, um, I'm treating you as if you are dead. There, there, was, there, was, there was a matter of disrespect and, yeah, being disingenuous and a disruption in the home and a defiance. And the father didn't rebuke him. The father, yeah, didn't reply negatively against him. This father, with wisdom, listened and saw the liabilities in his son. He didn't wait for the son to go out into Neverland and send him checks in the mail. I know I'm messing up now. He didn't allow the son to be pulled out of his plight. The wisdom in verse 12 is that he makes this request and the Bible says in verse 12, and he, the father, gave him what he asked for. Very quietly. When I was being raised by my parents, they would always use a phrase, if you make your bed hard, you're going to lay in it. Now, we already had hard bunk beds. So that was a great illustration for us. The mattress on the bunk bed was this thick. So you kind of understood. No air conditioning. The window, the window was this big. And then when it was hot, you just did this. Y'all ain't praying with me. And when your parents told you to go to your room, that was prison. No TV, no video games, no telephone. You just sat there in a hot room and sweated. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No texting, no email, no nothing. Even the dogs out in the yard was, it sounded like their barking was, that turned into laughing. Because you was up in this room. But this father 
is enlightened with a loving wisdom. Not only did my parents tell me, you make it very hard, you're laying it. But let me use this illustration. If you get locked up, don't look for us. Yeah. That is, this father let his son's decisions be his direction. Parents, we can't keep pulling our children out of decisions they make. If you love your children the way I love mine, yes, you want to be there. But at some juncture, we got to stop, pause, and park. Allow them to fail when they're making decisions. That if one of my children marries somebody that I'm against, don't call me asking, can you come back home? The answer is no, your room has been converted. <laughs> and you need to be converted. <laughs> See, let me let me just let me just say this. What gave strength to our parents and grandparents' words was that we knew they meant it. We knew they meant it, Doc. You, you play around if you want. We knew they meant it. My mother would leave the house and say, I don't want nobody in my house. I'm going to pen fruit. Remember that? I'm going to the grocery store. Don't let nobody in my house. Period. What did that mean in the Greek? <laughs> nobody came in the house. My children have rushed to college, and I know part of the rushing had to do with the rules. There's too many rules up in here. Well, rules are good. Can I get a witness? Aren't rules good? All relationship is not good. We need some rules. Yeah. But the wisdom of this father, the wisdom, the wind, you know what? As I look at this father, I, I had to confess, I don't have this one. I don't have, I don't have what this father had. This father had a wisdom that said, okay, you asked for it, you got it. My God. He, he not only had the enlightenment of a loving wisdom, but he had the empowerment of a loving watch. Now look at verses 13 to 16 real quick. The father, who is representative of God, had to exercise a patience through his son's descent. Now, when you look at verse 13, and not many days, you see, it doesn't take a fool long to fall. Amen. It don't take a fool long to fall. Are y'all getting this? 
See, one of the characteristics of this age is that people are programmed by secular society and Satan so that you don't give them advice. This is my life. I do what I wanted to. Come on now, y'all know what I'm talking about. And as pastor of the church, when I'm teaching and bringing down applicable, listen, applicable principles for you to live by that defiance in your hand. He, he, he didn't tell me how to live. No, when I'm preaching the word of God and give it to you in, in context, all I got to do is look at my watch. You ain't got long before you're going to fall. Are y'all praying with pastor? Plus, experientially, I done been there and done that. I didn't come out of my mother's womb with a robe on. <laughs> my name is not Samuel. I wasn't ministering in the temple at the age of six. I was out in that world. Are y'all getting this? Checking in the hotels, drinking, getting high, cussing, doing this, doing that. But God. See, and the buck. It's for his glory. God says, I did everything in your life for a reason. I did it so you could get it, understand it, and repackage it, and give it back out to my people to talk about how good the Lord really is. The, the father, the father, the father, the father, the father, the father. One, 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 one commentator called this father in God the bungee theology. See, a bungee is when you get on a rope and you start swinging. The bungee is in God's hands. We believe in eternal security. Oh, no, you, once, once you're saved, you're not going to hell. But God will determine... And your bungee strap will determine how hard you hit, how low you go. Are you getting this? God going to catch you, but at what price? When he finally catches you, are you on the verge of collapse? Here's what the father knew in his watch, now just his watch. He knew that his son's decision was based on defiance. I, I, I often say this, and I want this heard and understood. I believe in raising kids. There's a 3C uh, initiative going on. When kids are 0 to 12, parents are caretakers. You are totally responsible. Everything that child's going to get comes from you. You're caretakers. You got to... You got you to train them up. You got to buy their food. You got to buy their clothes. You got to take them where they need to go. You got you to put them in your arms and carry them. You are a caretaker. When they turn teenagers, the monster years. And they are monster years. You say, well, don't, don't, don't call my child a monster. Well, I'll call him a little monster, okay? Monster. 
13 to maybe 18, you are a coach. Your job is to coach those kids like a basketball coach coaches his players. When they're not playing, you bench them. You teach them how to shoot, you teach them how to dribble, you teach them how to pass. Are y'all getting this? But you their coach, right? If they late for practice, they don't play. You, you are their coach. But then as they become a young adult, you become their counselor. You only intervene when they need you to intervene. You can't lay out a line for their life when they 45. You, you just can't do that. You missed your boat. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you missed your boat. That time has passed. Lord have mercy. This father knew his son's money would soon run out. He knew his son had to descend before he could be delivered. He knew trouble would transform. Won't trouble transform us? Oh, you, you, you ain't got to say amen. You get enough trouble, you'll be just like Jesus. You, 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 you'll be walking just like Jesus. Come unto me, all ye. You, 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 let enough, you let enough trouble come in. Trouble will transform you. You couldn't zip your zipper up, the zipper's broken. It'll never go back down as long as you let. No, I need to say this. You ain't, you now, now nobody can tell you you was born with an alternative to your sexuality. When God starts whipping your butt, you're going to say, I'm a man. Always was a man. Will forever be a man. Man. You, you ain't going to have all them options. When trouble gets in your life, it'll make you pray. It'll make you fast. It'll make you tired. It'll make you nice. It'll make you tender-hearted. It'll make you kind. That's what trouble will do. He also knew his son would return from ruin. My God. Look at the lessons that we learn in this father. Personal wisdom to let go. But then a loving watch. Now hanging in with Pastor. And the Bible says in verse 13, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted. You know, that's a good word to do a word study on. All right, all right. Find out what the Bible calls waste. Yes, Not what you call waste. What does the Bible call waste? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose, waste his own soul? Mm. He did this thing in riotous living. Now, let's stop. What, what is riotous living? Sister Gordon, I think you know. What is riotous living? Huh? What, is, what, is, what, is, 
Oh, you don't like that, Jackie? Well, what is riotous living? What, what is riotous living? Don't, don't show up on me. The first things I notice when you join the church is I've seen you somewhere before. <laughs> do, the, do the funky chicken. Riotous. Living. Check it out. Verse 14. And when he had spent all. By the way, I, I, I touched this this morning. Don't be talking about your friends. Your family will always love you more than your so-called friends. See, your friends only with you as long as you got the money. Notice ain't no friends in the text, is it? Are y'all getting this? Well, that's my roommate, and we get along. Just keep watching your watch. Just keep, keep your eyes on the clock. Some of y'all been to college, had roommates you thought were your close friends. You don't even speak to them today. Friends. Uh-huh. He spent all, and there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in what? See, when you get hungry, God can talk to you. And, and the Bible says, and he went and joined himself to the citizen of that country and went to the fields of the swine. Now, this is a Jewish story talking about swine. By the way, I received this big package this week. It was heavy. I didn't know who it was from. I listened to it, made sure it went ticking. <laughs> I opened it up. It was the Holy Quran. I said, oh, somebody's trying to get to me. So, thank you. <laughs> Salam alaikum. But look at this. Check it out. And he would have faded had he not been filled, but no man gave anything to him. Verse 17, and when he came to himself, Doc, let me tell you something. There's a point that you and I, spiritually, will come to ourselves. Man, if circumstances, if circumstances come at us the right way, if things start failing the right way, all that defiance and anger and know-it-all, right, listen, you'll start coming to your senses. Wait a minute, wait a minute, because I'm not talking about the son. I got to get through this. When he came to the self, he started talking to himself. Won't trouble make you talk to yourself? How, how, how did I get in this? Look, look, look. How, how did I get into this mission? I'm staying in this $5 a night hotel and bugs all over the place. How I get here? I got a degree and know it all. You know what I'm talking about. Have you ever, have you ever asked yourself, how did I get here? Yeah. Are y'all going to talk back to me? I, I know I have. How did I, how did I get in all this? 
Two weeks ago, I was talking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, what did I do? <laughs> Lord said, you did nothing. You're going through my perfect will. Don't we wonder why stuff is breaking out? Aren't we curious? And the first thing we do is figure, what did I do? Paul didn't do anything, but he had a thorn. Can I get a witness? And child of God, I want you to know that while this father was watching, he's looking, he's looking. The son is rehearsing. I will arise, go to my father, saying to him, Father, here it is. I have sinned. Test time, look up. How many people in the Bible said I have sinned? Eight. How many meant it? Four. How many didn't mean it? It's easy. Four. See, when I give you these mathematical equations, keep them in mind. Please keep them in mind. In Matthew 13, the sower and the seed sowed four seeds, only one germinated, meaning 75% never heard the word. If I transfer that mathematical equation to the church, three-fourths of the church never hear the sermon. All right. Satan is snatching it. Only 25% can walk out here with the word. That's frightening. And everything that stopped the word is not in the church. It's inside of you. It's what you brought in the door with you. Cares of this world. No indebtedness in your soul. Oh, Lord. Check it out. Check it out. He knew that his son had messed up. And the son said, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and no more am I worthy to be called thy son. Make me now as one of thy hired servants. My God. Mm. This father was enlightened. Hmm with a loving wisdom. This father was empowered with a loving watch. He watches over me. But finally, this father embraces a loving warmth. It's our text in verse 20. And he arose. Now stop. The personal pronoun, he, and he arose, the, the prodigal, and came to, preposition, directional, his father. The father didn't go to him. He came back to the father. And when we stray, it's only a matter of time before we come back to God. Check this out. But when he, the son, was yet a great way off, 
his father what? Now we get into these verbs. Now, I don't think, Juan, you're a Bible exegete. I don't think they had binoculars in them days, did they? I, I don't think they had binoculars in them days, but he said he was a way off and the father saw him. That's interesting, isn't it? The only way the father could see him a great way off is that a father was in a perch position looking for him. You know, God is just looking for us to come back to his loving arms. Hmm? He, 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 he was a great way off and his father saw him and had compassion. No, notice the compassion started before he reached the son. Oh man, I'm preaching. Now, let me, let me say two things I said this morning. I am the recipient of a loving, committed father. Because I had a committed father, I take care of my family. It's, it's not because I'm a good man. The reason I'm still in my marriage, although Sister Gordon's a great lady, is because I had an example of a father who stayed in place. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching now, Doc. The reason I have drive and accomplishment in my life because I saw a father go to work every day. Mm -hmm. Don't you know we passing down stuff from our, to our kids? Every day. Lovely wife, but I had an example. Stop. I'm on the word compassion. If you are struggling with intimacy and closeness and affection, it's probably because you and your dad never had a close, loving, affectionate relationship. He come in the house, where's my food? Hi, daddy, get away from me. So you just interpreted that as being manhood. I'm preaching up in this place now. You have a, Lord have mercy. You, you have a major problem of preemption in the area of affection. And you won't admit it. You keep making excuses. So, it's hard for you to be affectionate and close, and yet you yearn closeness, but you can't be close. It's a contradiction. I want closeness, but every time I get close, this preemption takes over and I want space. I, I want I want affection and love, but I won't receive it if it gets too close. But, but women, the good news, God gonna heal you. God gonna heal you. See, this is a therapeutic preaching ministry. Our job is to pull out principles to help you and I be whole. Are you getting this? Now listen, saints, 
Listen to me clearly. My son is 23 years old. When my son calls me and says, Dad, I'm coming home this weekend, and he drives from where he is, when he pulls up at my house, I come outside, walk up to the car, hugging and kissing. Now, wait a minute. It's easy to do that with girls if you got daughters. It's not easy to do that with guys, especially after they get older. Are you getting me? We see people kissing guys, kissing guys on the cheek. And I want to say on the cheek because I'm going somewhere in a minute. <laughs> Ain't nothing funny about me but my money. I am a masculine man who's able to be affectionate with another man without crossing boundaries. You better get this. You better get, that's why some of y'all won't go on the men's retreat. You're scared of men. You're scared to be around all men. Listen to me. No, this is truth. I kiss my son. The Jews kiss each other. The mafia even kiss each other. Don Corleone. Mm, mm. Don't they kiss each other once? Then they shoot you. They kiss you, then they shoot you. But I'm saying. But, but, but my point is, some of us cannot get close. Because something else in our life took place. My God. This morning I went to my dad. He's not here now. I grabbed him and kissed him. It's okay. See, society's got these extremes. Don't they? That if you kiss another man, something's wrong with you. No, it's not. No, it's not. Now, y'all brothers ain't got no problem kissing a woman. Some of y'all. And you know, all of us are different. You don't have to be kissy-feely. But I'm talking to fathers about their sons. You should be able to go up to your adult son and say, come here, son, I love you. Kiss him. I'm pausing purposely. I'm coming back to that. Let me say this to you. I kiss my son because I love him. And I want him to remember for the rest of my life that my dad loved me. And you know, and you know what he's going to do for his kids? Love them. Are you getting this picture? Some of us won't even kiss one another, won't kiss each other, won't kiss your children, won't kiss your husband, won't kiss your wives, but when they die, you ready to kiss them in the casket. Now, they done been embalmed with, with some kind of makeup on. They ain't got no blood in them, but now you're going to get on the casket. Oh, no, kiss me while I'm alive, dog.
In fact, the problem with that is the person in the casket can't feel your kisses. You should have kissed them while they was alive. You should have told them you appreciate them. You should have told them you love them. Check this out. Compassion. He had compassion and ran. Look at the verbs. The father's running. No, no, wait a minute. He's running to reconcile with a rebellious son. That's deep. He's not running to a son because his son is a 4.0 student. He's not running to a son because he has moved up the corporate ladder to CEO. He's running to a rebellious son for reconciliation. Man, we so moody and messed up in church. Got nerdy talking about, oh, Lord. And Jesus already told you, how can you call me Lord? And you ain't never seen me. And the ones you in church with every Sunday, you rolling your eyes at. Here's what Jesus said. Take your gift and leave it at the altar. Reconcile with your brother and sister, then come back and give it, and I'll receive it. I'm moving out of here. Look at this. Ah, he ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But, here comes the conjunction. See what God does for us. Before we finish, God shows up. Can I get a witness? Before we are able to articulate our sorrow, God moves in. The Bible says, in Psalms, we see righteousness and truth kiss. Madness and mercy kiss. Can I get a witness? That child of God, he, yes he did, he ran to his son, but the father said to his servants, now listen to this, I'm closing. He said, look, here's what I want you to do. Now that he has repented, now that we are reconciled, put the best robe on him. In scripture, robe speaks of righteousness. Isaiah 61.10, put a robe around him because he's righteous now. Lord, have mercy. Put, put a ring on his finger. The ring speaks of authority. He, he, he has the authority of my house again. Put shoes on his feet. Servants never wore shoes. Only sons wear shoes. This is his sonship. He's my son again. Put shoes on him. Verse 23, and bring the fatted calf. Kill it. Stop, stop. I ain't never heard a preacher preach this before, what I'm about to say. Kill the fatted calf so we can take the blood. Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Can I get a witness? 
so that you can sprinkle that blood seven times over the mercy seat. That's what God prescribes for sinners. Do I have a witness? Y'all ain't praying with me. And then the rest of the meat, we're going to cook and throw a fellowship and a meal. Can I get a witness? Why? Because my son was dead, but now he's alive. My son was blind, but now he sees. And there's joy in my home. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have, the world can't take it away. I'm so glad when I was out there in the world running and doing my thing that my God had the wisdom to wait on me. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad he didn't let me die in my sins. I'm so glad he didn't let me die in the cabaret. He didn't let me die in a hotel room. I'm so glad he, yeah, he had the wisdom to wait, but I'm glad that he watched for my soul. Every time I got in a car accident, every time, amen, I was shot at. Every time I was somewhere I could have been dead, God sent his angels to watch over me. Can I get a witness? He's a mighty good God. Hasn't he watched over you? Didn't he watch over you? Didn't he pull you out of trouble? Didn't he make a way out of no way? Didn't he prepare a table in the presence of your enemies? Doesn't your cup of joy run over? Say yeah, I'm so glad that he was warm enough to receive me back after a long stint in that world. That's why I praise him every Sunday. See, I praise him for what he's already done. He's already been good. He's already showed me mercy. He's already saved my soul. He's already turned me around. Can I get a witness? I'm praising him for what he's doing right now. He's a mighty good God. Can I get a witness? Put food on my table, clothes on my back, money in my pocket. Watched over my kids last night. Thank you. I said, Thank you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is God. But I thank Him for what He's going to do. Faith believing, He's got my future. Can I get a witness? And I'm bountifully blessed because He's a compassionate God. Fathers, can you be compassionate to your sons? Instead of being hecklers, criticizers, smacking them around, can you just hug them and kiss them? And let me tell you why you're so hard on your son. Because your father was hard on you. Listen, go back. Just be compassionate with your son. 
Don't try to be compassionate with everybody, son. No, go back to your home and be compassionate with your son. Let's stand on our feet. Every head is bowed, every eyes closed. If you're here and you need to be saved, born again, blood washed, Jesus wants you to believe and receive him as God's only begotten son. Raise your hand if you want to be saved. We had two this morning. Raise your hand. You want to, I see your hand. Come on up, baby. Come on. That's it. Come on. Come on. Crazy. Get another. Come on. Praise Jesus. Thank you, dog. Thank you. Right here. There another. Come on, step out of your seats. Give your life to Christ. That's right. Have your children join the church. That's right. Praise Jesus. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. There another. Come on up, brother. There another. Step out right now. I want to give my life to Christ. Is there, there you go. Look at this. Look at this. Jesus. Suffer the children to come. Come on. Is there another? Is there another? Is there another? Step out. Step out right now. Come on. Come on. Step out. Crazy. Come on, God. Look at it. Come on. That's it. There another. There another. Jesus is Lord. The whole parable was told by Jesus to let you know he seeks and saves that which is lost. Is there another? Father, we thank you for your word. Teach us to be compassionate, loving, kind, tenderhearted with our sons and daughters and to love their mothers as you have asked us to. Bless our church. Bless, give us journeys, mercies today. Bless your people with peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, now, now listen, be seated. Shh, no, no noise, be seated.